Demons Discuss, Take 67, The One with the Welcoming Committee. Welcome to Deems Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the All Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We're your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I'm Valerie, and with me is Angela and Jean. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hello, everyone. And what are we talking about, Jean? We are in limbo right now, in the midst of time walking back to the 21st century. Hang on to your hats. Will we make it or not? Because <laughs> <laughs> right now, it's a jumble of time. <laughs> I'm just thinking about us in the wagon, Jean, like, oh, shit, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking about literally hanging onto my hat, even though I'm not wearing one, but that's my picture. <laughs> oh, geez. Let's do a quick Patreon spot. This podcast is sponsored by your fellow listeners. Without them, we'd have to be funded by commercial advertisers, and we'd be hampered by their rules. We'd be reading talking points for stuff like mattresses, food services, shaved clothes, Toothbrushes, underwear toothbrushes. companies. Now, do you unfortunately no mail order toilet paper? No, at this moment, but. no. I'd do a commercial for that. <laughs> at this point, I would too. Yeah, public service announcement. <laughs> <laughs> So now do you want to hear an underwear ad while we're talking about Hot Mess Matthew? No! We thank our patrons for allowing us to be ad-free and independent. Angela, it's your turn. Tell our listeners what they can get by becoming a patron. All right. Well, the base level is $2 and it goes up from there. But the more that you give, the more you get. So, But every every patron at the $2 level gets our after show, which is a grab bag of topics and it's produced on our off weeks. But as you go up to levels, you never know what you're going to get. Valerie's always designing new things, but you can get a pouch, you might get a t-shirt, you might get who knows what, but it's all exclusive to our patrons. Yeah, that too. (laughs) (laughs) So if you guys are interested in joining, go to patreon.com slant demons discuss. All right, let's go to discusser emails, everybody. Who's got something for us? I'll start. Okay. All right, we have a discusser email from B. Hi, B. Hi, B. Hey, B. She says, hello, dearest demons. Just a quick thank you note for being the most genuine and generous demons I've ever met. Writing this since you have been such a big support of my work. I took the decision of closing my shop last night since my husband and I decided to self-isolate for the time being at least. I will use this time to focus on my family, hopefully create more art, and reflect on how lucky I am to have people around the world who love what I do and support my craft. Crossing fingers, we all get our lives back close to what it was before the virus struck the world, and really hoping to meet again at the con. Stay safe, stay kind, Big bear hugs to you all. Your Peruvian demon, B. Oh, thank you, B. Oh, B, thank you. So, Jean, do you want to tell us about what she's been doing in the meantime? She's still pursuing her art and her project right now is she's doing bee portraits by B. Just putting out loveliness into the world. And she solicited some requests, shall we say, from folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's her first week in. And one of her first week's worth of victims were Team Baldwin. <laughs> Angela and I (laughs) from our infamous road trip to Austin, Texas, six years ago. Oh my gosh, (laughs) six years ago. Six years? Holy. 2014, wasn't yes. it? Almost six years. Yep. Oh, gosh. Seventh Nation Army. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's when you got my book signed. Yeah. You know what my inscription was? 
fucking fire Drake. That's, That's right. what my inscription yep. was. <laughs> That's right. And that was the night that we all went out and drank too much sangria with the rest of our uh, tribe. And Deb's tweeted us sweet dreams. And yeah. she went looking for the bats at the Bat Bridge. Aww. That was a fun night. It was a great trip. It was even a great road trip, too. Yes. I mean, usually, you know. It was. And we stopped and got kolache at... Uh, that's, that's, I never in, know what to call it. In West yes. Texas. Yeah, it was like a, a yes. gas station store, but it was like a true bakery where it, it was delicious. Yeah. yeah and they actually, Slovacek's actually makes their own sausage, too, that you can buy in the stores around here, which is just delicious. <laughs> it's where all the Czechoslovakians went to settle back in the 18th century. And the fertilizer plant blew up, but that's a whole nother attorney make work thing. And the picture that she was inspired by was us the, the next morning in our way back to Jean's house and it was like no makeup no hair I mean wet hair sunglasses but of course B can always find a way to make you look fabulous and happy oh I know it was very de- it was very demonic yes <laughs> we were tired and hung over and, and it's all in the loner car we had a loner car from the dealership that should, wasn't Oops. supposed to leave town <laughs> Oops. what do you the have Jean? kind of expanded there a little bit <laughs> I have a lovely email from Rebecca. Cannot wait for the next episode. Between a difficult mm-hmm. family situation and this pandemic, my anxiety is ex- absolutely through the roof. Well, that's what we're here for, to help mm-hmm. lower your anxiety, Rebecca. Yep. My only moments of peace are with my dog and all souls and maybe a little West Wing, too. Amen to that. Matthew and Diana are getting ready to time walk where I am at in my 100th listening to the books. But to scan ahead and remember their homecoming from Elizabethan England, there are so many delicious parts to both of these chapters. I love them arriving home to the tree and, and find the fact Matthew traded Marcus's car for a Land Rover hilarious. I feel like he was giggling a Don't little. Don't we? I, thought, I find the fact that Marcus stuck him with a sports car even more hilarious, but that's just yeah. me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And rubbing his hands together with glee. The part that sticks out most to me is the fact that it is baby Margaret that alerts the house to Matthew and Diana's arrival. I can picture that formidable line of women standing in the driveway, Margaret in Isabeau's arms, a curl in her little fist. It just sets up the rest of the story perfectly. Love and light to all of you stay home That's and stay what we're safe doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes That's ma'am we're Thanks following that order mm, let me see here i have something from chris chris m we all know her she says Hi, chris. good evening lady demons hope you're all maintaining your sanity in the crazy world well this is part of it we're trying <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yep. You guys are helping My us with that, on this for week's sure. reading. I love that Diana and Matthew found themselves back where they left in Madison. They knew right away that they were back, went off right away for Septour. I was so sad for Diana to be shocked as much as she was at M's death, but she was a parental figure and she never got to say goodbye to her parents. Now to M. She has so many losses and it hit her deep in the heart. I love her seeing everyone again. And to see Galaglass there in the future is awesome. Hey, spoiler alert, guys. (laughs) 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 It was great to have the group back together with their surprises, especially with Diana being pregnant and everything. To go to 1593, the heartbreak that Diana and Matthew's leaving was for Jack, it, it is bad. And he probably was the most effective. Annie was able to move on and it sucks that her own family still wasn't able to give her a home, but it's good to see that she had work after Diana and Matthew left. She had a place and was content with her life. She had goals and I wish she had lived long enough to see them through. Kit's death was a tragedy and the havoc that the rest of the school of night lived through were tragic, but brought on by themselves. (laughs) 
true. <laughs> yeah. No. They couldn't help themselves, could they? Ending to Shadow of Night, and it sets us up great for the Book of Life. Sincerely, Chris M. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. All right. Thank you, Chris. So that's it for that. And uh, let's start the wagon, shall we? Let's do it. This chapter discussion is brought to us by Susie Glenn. Thank you, Susie. Sink. Thank you, Susie. Uh, thank you, Susie. I say, thank you, Susie. Thank I can't you. talk today. Thank you, Susie. <laughs> thank you. When we left off in Chapter 40 of Shadow of Night, we did a time hop into 2010 and got a glimpse of what was going on. We open up Chapter 41 and find Diana and Matthew on the proverbial road, and Diana's looking at the map wondering what the best route is to take them back. <laughs> <laughs> Which way do I hold this thing? <laughs> I can see Matthew. You're holding it all wrong. What's going on? <laughs> right. <laughs> pick, pick a string, any string. So what did you guys think of this opening? This reading, I finally dawned on me that all those different color threads are different multiverses. Mm, it didn't even hit me at all. I wasn't even thinking about it because when it comes to the timey-wimey shit, I just tune it out. Yeah. yeah well, usually right. it does for me too. And then I was, you know, I was like, okay, we always were saying that the blue and the gold were time sitting right. in the corner, blah, blah, blah. And then we have Diana talking about the yellow and white yarn she followed through her mitten to back when she was five and saw Cora, Cora right. and the snow angel. And then it's like, whoa, wait a minute. And then we get to this and I'm reading this going, now I get it. <laughs> Mind blown. <laughs> wow. Yeah. To me, it's like for all those naysayers who are like, oh, well, this isn't a multiverse. It's right there in description. I mean, she couldn't have made it more visual than she did in that second pair, that second right. and third paragraph in that yeah. chapter. That's the thing with Deb's writing. It's very a lot of it's very subtle and then it hits you and it's like boom oh it hits yes. you and it's like man that's yes. so totally not subtle yeah. how did I not notice that like what Jean just said you know there was always time in the corner and it was mm -hmm. usually blue and amber or blue and gold and it acted like fire you know it snapped or crackled and it's almost like that was burning in the, in the corners and once she actually decided to time mm -hmm. walk she like stretched it out and when she yeah. stretched out you can see all the colors or she can she can see all the minute details of each individual strand ooh I like that fire analogy a lot because <laughs> blue and golden amber is like the really hot burning gas flame as opposed mm -hmm. to just, you know, your pretty red and mm -hmm. yellow and orange wood flame. Yep. Right. Blue hot versus red hot. And it's interesting, too, because Matthew can see mm -hmm. her hair from his preternatural senses as a rainbow. And Deb said it's not an actual literal rainbow, but because his eyesight is so keen, he sees her hair mm -hmm. so minutely, all the details. So he can see the individual colors and she sees time the same way or she sees strands of time. Uh, that way. Again, placing they have more in common than we ever thought. <laughs> And just yep. in different ways. Yeah, there you go again. All right, so let's start mm -hmm. this. This is Diana talking. She's like, my attempts to reach the old lodge's future from its past were unsuccessful. Oops. I focused on the look and the smell of the place and saw the threads that bound Matthew and me to the house, brown and green and gold. But they slipped out of my fingers repeatedly. I tried for Septour instead. The threads that linked us there were all tinged with Matthew's idiosyncratic blend of red, black shot through with silver. Well, see, she was trying. I think part of her problem is she's trying to shortcut it. She wants to get where everybody is and yeah, it's not the plan. Yes. Not working. We all do want to shortcut it. It's like, what's the quickest way for me to get yeah, there? The, go the goddess is, has a road trip in mind for them. 
Yeah, no, you you have to take the long way, dude. It's funny, though. Each location almost has like its own standard. And she's just seeing the threads in that standard. Mm-hmm. The, the old lodge is brown and green. And then Matthew, it said tour is red, silver and black. So it's yeah. almost like they have their own flag flying. I imagine the house full of familiar faces. Sarah and M, Isabeau and Mark, Marcus and Miriam, Sophie and Nathaniel. But I couldn't reach that safe port either. Huh. Resolutely ignoring the rising panic, I searched among hundreds of options for alternative destination. Oxford, the Blackfriars Underground Station in modern London, St. Paul's Cathedral. My fingers kept returning to the same strand in the warp and weft of time that was not silky and smooth, but hard and rough. I inched along its twisting length and discovered that it was not a thread, but a root connected to some unseen tree. With that realization, I tripped over an invisible threshold and I fell into the keeping room of the Bishop House. Home. Wow. Yep. <laughs> I Well, see, that, I kind of expected her to wind up where she started. Yeah, and that's what I, I was kind of surprised why she was trying to get somewhere else other than where they left off. Yeah. I think she was seeking people more than seeking the place, mm-hmm. do you yeah. know? All right. So she said, I landed on my hands and knees. The knotted cords flattened between my palms and the floor. Centuries of polish and the passage of hundreds of ancestral feet had long since smoothed out its wide pine boards. They felt familiar and under my hands, a token of permanence in the world of change. I looked up half expecting to see my aunts waiting in the front hall. It had been so easy to find my way back to Madison that I assumed they were guiding us. But the air in the Bishop House was still and lifeless, as though not a soul had disturbed it since Halloween. Not even the ghosts seemed to be in residence. Hmm. Hmm. Matthew was kneeling next to me, his arms still linked to mine and his muscles trembling from the stress of moving through time. Are we alone? Matthew's sniffing around. He's like, yeah. With his quiet response, the house wakened and the atmosphere went from (laughs) flat and lifeless to thick and uneasy in a blink. Matthew looked at me and smiled. Your hair, it's changed again. And I'm like thinking at this time, really? The hair? Yeah. We're doing this we're again? We're going to do this one more time. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, at least in the TV show, the door is going to be blown yeah. off the hinges. I glanced down to find not the strawberry blonde curls I had grown accustomed to, but straight silky strands that were brighter reddish gold, just like my mother's hair. And then she's like, it must be the time walking. And the house creaked and moaned. I felt it gathering its energy for an outburst. It's only me and Matthew and she's telling the house, you, you know, calm down, calm your tits. Calm your tits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, calm your tits. Calm your tits. <laughs> I gotta try that. I gotta try that one with my house. <laughs> my words were soothing, but my voice was oddly accented and harsh. The house recognized it nonetheless, and a sigh of relief filled the room. A breeze came down the chimney, carrying an unfamiliar aroma of chamomile mixed with cinnamon. I looked over my shoulder to the fire and the cracked wooden panels that surrounded it, and then I scrambled to my feet. What the hell? is this (laughs) i mean (laughs) so that tree had grown in the fireplace and if we remember from a discovery witches there was something brewing in there right before we left so i guess that was the seed to that tree so that's what happened there yes interesting though the departure from the tv show blasted tree i I hope they work Uh, it back in somehow that would be weird such a nice nice little shout out to the hudson valley painters too so this tree a black Mm -hmm. trunk filled the chimney and its limbs had pushed through the stone and the surrounding wood paneling it's like the tree from mary's olympic matthew crouched down by the hearth in his black velvet breeches could you imagine falling into modern times with your old shit (laughs) 
Yeah, walk out like that, man. Yeah, well, spoiler alert. Diana keeps insisting I'm wearing that damn coat. Yeah. Well, her fashion sense has never been the best, but, you know. Well, no. So his finger touched a small lump of silver embedded in the bark. Like mine, his voice sounded out of time and place. This looks like your pilgrim's badge. The outline of Lazarus's coffin was barely recognizable. I joined him, my full black skirt spelling out over the floor. I think it is. And the Ampula had two gilded hollows inside to hold holy water. Before I left Oxford, I filled one with my blood and the other with yours. Matthew's eyes met mine. Having our blood so close made me feel as if we would never be separated. So he was like casting magic on his own there. Definitely. Right. And now he's bringing the science into it. It says it looks as though the ampulla was exposed to heat and partially melted. If the inside of the ampulla was gilded, traces of mercury would have been released along with the blood. So this tree was made with some of the same ingredients as Mary's Arbor Diane. Matthew looked up into the bare branches. So uh, she's talking about the scent of chamomile and cinnamon intensifying and the tree beginning to bloom, which is weird. (laughs) I mean, that'd be weird. Yeah. Instead, when it was blooming, it wasn't the usual fruit or flowers. Instead, a key and a single sheet of vellum sprouted from its branches. It's the page from the manuscript, said Matthew, pulling it free. That means the book is still broken and incomplete in the 21st century. Nothing we did in the past altered that fact. I was going to say, nothing we did in the past altered anything but thankfully she said that fact yes um, right that fact (laughs) then the likelihood the Ashmole 782 is safely hidden in the Bodley library and Matthew said quietly this is the key to a car he snagged it off the branches and so you know Diana is talking about how she hadn't thought of any form of transportation besides a horse or a boat (laughs) you know (laughs) Matthew says Marcus and Hamish would have made sure we had a way to get to Septour as planned without calling them for help. They probably have cars waiting all over Europe and America just in case, but they wouldn't have left one visible. Matthew continued. There's no garage. The hot barn. Matthew's hand automatically moved to slide the key in a pocket at his hip. He had pockets in them breeches? Apparently guys got pockets. I don't know. I don't think right. the girls got pockets. <laughs> oh, no, no. It does say. But his clothing had no modern conveniences. Ah. Uh, so there we go. Ah. <laughs> Would they have thought to leave clothes for us, too? And then she's looking down at her outfit. She's like, yeah, I kind of need something. <laughs> and then Matthew's like, let's find out. They carry the key and the page into the family room and kitchen. Still brown, as if your <laughs> Sarah was going to yeah, paint while exactly. you were gone. Come on. Especially when you told them to leave. <laughs> right. Yeah. Good grief. <laughs> and she's looking at the check wallpaper and ancient refrigerator. And then Matthew's like, still home. And she says, not without Sarah and M or M and Sarah. Really. In contrast with the overstuffed household that had surrounded us for so many months, our modern family seemed to be fragile and its membership small. Here, there was no Mary Sidney to discuss my troubles with in the course of a storming evening. Neither Susanna or Goody Alsop would drop by the house in the afternoon for a cup of wine to help me perfect my latest spell. I wouldn't have Annie's cheerful assistance to get me out of my corset and skirts. Mop wasn't underfoot. Or Jack. And if we needed help, there was no Henry Percy to rush to our aid without question or hesitation. I slid my hand around Matthew's waist, needing a reminder of his solid indestructibility. Matthew's sensing what's going through her head. He's like, you'll always miss them. But the pain will fade in time. You'll be okay. Calm down. (laughs) And then she says, I'm beginning to feel more like a vampire than a witch. Too many goodbyes. Too many missing loved ones. And then she looked at the calendar. 
and it showed the month of November. She pointed it out to Matthew and she's like, is it possible that no one's been here since last year? Yeah, it's possible, Diana. Come on. It's probable. (laughs) Something must be wrong. And this is Diana reaching for the phone. No, this is Matthew. The congregation could be tracing calls or watching the house. We're expected upset tour. Whether our time away can be measured in an hour a year, that's where we need to go. Stick to the plan. Stick to the plan. Who's being reactive and being the hot mess? I'm going to go. I'm going to make a call. It's like they pass batons. I know. (laughs) Your turn to be stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love them. I know. They're so perfectly suited for one another. We found our modern clothes on top of the dryer, slipped into a pillowcase to keep them from getting dusty. Matthew's briefcase sat neatly beside them. M had at least been there since we left. No one else would have thought of such practicalities. I wrapped our Elizabethan clothes in the linens, Mm -hmm. reluctant to let go of these tangible remnants of our formal life, and tucked them under my arms like two lumpy footballs. (laughs) Matthew slid the page from Ashmole 72 into his leather bag, closing it securely. Matthew scanned the orchard and the fields before we left the house, his keen eyes alert to possible danger. I made my own sweep of the place with my witch's third eye, but no one seemed to be out there. I could see the water under the orchard, hear the owls in the trees, and taste the summer sweetness of the dusk air. That was all. Come on! And they're making their run for it to the hop barn. (laughs) And they're trying to open up the sliding door, but it wouldn't budge. I like how Diana's coming and she can see all the spells that people have put on stuff. It's like she did learn a lot, even though it seemed like she was rushing all over Prague and doing dumb shit. She did learn a lot of magic. She did. <laughs> so when she came back, she's like, yeah. Sarah, put a spell on it. I could see it twisted around the handle and through the grain of the wood. A good one, too. And Matthew's like, too good to break? And he's worried. Yeah. (laughs) And it wasn't surprising that he had been concerned. Last time we were here, I hadn't been able to light the Halloween pumpkins. I located the loose ends of the bindings and grinned. No, not Sarah's good, but she's not a weaver. Yay, me. Yay, me. (laughs) (laughs) They open up the barn and there's Sarah's Honda. Sarah's going down. How the hell are we going to fit you into that? She wondered. I'll manage. (laughs) (laughs) And this is Matthew. I'll manage. He tossed the clothes into the back. He handed her the briefcase, folded himself in the front seat. And after a few false starts, the car sputtered to life. It's a Honda. Those things don't die. I swear they don't. Right. Where's next? I asked, fastening my seatbelt. Syracuse, then Montreal, then Amsterdam, where I have a house. It's like, wow, he's got plans A, B, C, D. And Z all in his head. He he knows them. That's cool. So Matthew put the car in a drive and quietly rolled into the field. If anyone is watching for us, they'll be looking in New York, London, and Paris. And Diana's like, we don't have passports. I understand that feeling, Diana. Oh, don't we all? Damn. Damn it. Look under the mat. Marcus would have told Sarah to leave them there. And she peeled up the mat. Voila. Filthy mats. (laughs) <laughs> and found Matthew's French passport and my American one. Man, you know, I, this whole chapter, I feel like everybody's dragging Sarah a little bit too much. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yes. her car's unkempt. Her spells are like, yeah, you know, I'm shocked they're good. I'm like, come on now. Let's let's stop the low key dragon here. Her walls yeah. are still brown. <laughs> Sarah, man, she's just living her life. man. Yeah, she's minding her own business, living a quiet life. life. And y'all are making fun of her dirty car. I know. Not everybody has like a team of people to wash their Range Rovers. Matthew. Matthew. Mm. Well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So why isn't your passport burgundy? And uh, taking them out of the sealed plastic bag, another M touch, she thought. Because it's a diplomatic passport, which gets us to wondering, what the fuck is he doing being a diplomat somewhere? Wait a minute. (laughs) What happened to that whole congregation? Right. So he stared out into the road and switched on the headlights. There should be one for you. Diana's going through and she's like, my French diplomatic passport inscribed with the name Diana de Clermont and noting my marital status relative to Matthew was folded inside the ordinary U.S. version. How Marcus managed to duplicate my photograph without damaging the original is anyone's guess. He knows Nathaniel, dude. Yeah, it's not that hard. He can replicate. She looks at Matthew and says, are you a spy now, too? Good grief. And Matthew's like, no, it's like the helicopters. Just another perk associated with being a Declaremont. Okay. (laughs) There you go. I couldn't help but think when you said, are you a spy now? Lucas North just flashed before my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. So I left Syracuse as Diana Bishop and entered Europe the next day as Diana de Clermont. Matthew's house in Amsterdam turned out to be a 17th century mansion, of course, Mm -hmm. (laughs) on the most beautiful stretch of the Herringbrocht. He had, Matthew explained, bought it right after he left Scotland. That's the house I chose in our Q&A. Yep, that's exactly. right. You're more than welcome at any time. I'll, I'll save a bedroom for each of you. Oh, <laughs> that's lovely. Thank you. <laughs> oh, is the kitchen open 24? You got somebody else? Yes. Oh, yes. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now that the Playboy Mansion butlers are out of work. <laughs> <laughs> as long as there's voodoo chips, I'm good. I'm good. Right, <laughs> right. We'll all be good. <laughs> right. We lingered there only enough to shower and change clothes. I kept the same leggings that I worn since Madison and swapped out my shirt for one of Matthew's. He donned his habitual gray and black cashmere and wool, and even though it was late June, according to the newspapers, it was odd not to see his legs. Well, I've grown so... I've grown so accustomed to seeing them being on display. Talk about objectifying tables turned. That's right. It seems a fair trade, Matthew commented. I haven't seen your legs for months, except in the privacy of our bedchamber. (laughs) And then Matthew nearly had a heart attack when he discovered his beloved Range Rover was not waiting for him in the underground garage. Instead, we found a Navy sports card with a soft top. (laughs) How fun. And Matthew's like, I'm going to kill him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I would too. I mean, those cars are lovely to look at, but as I'm getting older, man, I don't want to like ride the ground. Oh, come right. on. It's Ugh. fun. It's fun. Try to get out of oh, it though, with your fat ass. <laughs> with my fat ass. Just try to pull myself up. <laughs> it's sorry. <laughs> it's an acquired skill, but you can acquire it. Although the the, the Porsche is not as hard as the Climbing out of that damn Alfa Romeo. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> I think it's just a lifestyle commitment. Oh. It's like when you're driving, like you said about that yes. purse, it's, you got to be committed to it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, when you when you have to climb up and out of the car, it's bad. Or when you roll out onto the pavement yeah. and try to save yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> don't wear a dress. I'll just, I'll just leave everyone with that bit of advice. Just don't wear a skirt. <laughs> All right. So he used his house key to unlock the metal box bolted to the wall inside where another key and a note. Welcome home. No one will expect you to be driving this. It's safe and fast. Hi, Diana. M. <laughs> so, hey, he was thinking. No one was expecting yeah. him to drive Can't that. Can you just hear if that you little look- note in Ed's voice, though, too? <laughs> now? I could. Yeah. 
I hope they don't cut that scene. I love that he says hi, hi. just like in Book of Life when he's uh, in the round yeah. tower, wherever that is, and he's in the in the the balcony, and he's like, "Hi, yeah." I'm here. <laughs> what is it? I said, looking at the airplane style dolls set into a flashy chrome dashboard. A spiker spider. Marcus collects cards named after arachnids. And Matthew activated the car doors, then they scissored up like wings on a jet fighter. He swore, it's the most conspicuous car imaginable. <laughs> we only made it as far as Belgium before Matthew pulled into a car dealership, handed over the keys to Marcus's car, bought a new one, <laughs> and then pulled off the lot in something bigger and far oh, less no. fun to drive. Can you imagine? By the way, Marcus. I traded in your car. <laughs> you know, he didn't. He, he's just like, here, take this. And he probably got screwed up screwed in the trade in. What is wrong with yeah, you, man? Yeah, exactly. I, I took bottom dollar, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Good luck getting your car back. <laughs> Safe in its heavy boxy confines, we entered into France and some hours later began our slow ascent through the mountains of the Auvergne to Septour. Glimpses of the fortress flickered between the trees, the pinkish gray stone, a dark tower window. I couldn't help drawing comparisons between the castle and its adjacent town now and how it looked when I last saw it in 1590. This time, no smoke hung over it like St. Lucien in a gray pall. A sound of distant bells made me turn my head, thinking to spot the descendants of the goats I had known coming home for their evening meal. Pierre wouldn't rush out with torches to meet us, though. Chef wasn't in the kitchen decapitating pheasants with a cleaver as the freshly killed game was efficiently prepared to feed both warm bloods and vampires. There would be no Philippe, therefore no shouts of laughter, shrewd observations on human frailty lifted from the Euphrates. 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 Euripides. 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 Oh, Euripides. I, I thought you were talking you about Euphrates River, but it's Euripides. No, I just kind of glanced through it. I was like, Ugh. lifted from <laughs> Euripides or acute insights into the problems that would face us now that we had returned to the present. How long would it take to stop bracing myself for the rush of motion and bellow of sound that heralded Philippe's arrival into a room? <gasps> My favorite quote is coming oh, up. I Continue. Okay. Well, I was going okay, <laughs> I, I, I to add in one little bit of trivia. The comment about mm-hmm. when she talks about the goats coming in, that came from Deb's trip. Oh, very cool. She stayed in a tiny little village in France that inspired Saint Lucien. And when she talked about that trip, she also talked about being able to hear the bells on the goats. Oh, oh, so, cool. That's cool. That, that, oh, I didn't get that. I didn't get that the bells were the goat's bells. That's cool. So, Very cool. Do they bell the goats? Yeah, sure. Like so you do. can keep track of them. Ah, all right. Here's where we're going to cue the violins for you, oh. Angela. <laughs> Thank you. My heart hurt as I thought of my father-in-law. This harshly lit, fast-paced modern world had no place for heroes such as he. Mm, that's, oh. That was my inscription on this book, I think. Shadow yeah, of Night? I, that put yep. that in my Shadow of Night. That's a good one. So Matthew says, you're thinking of my father. Our silent rituals of vampire blood-taking and a witch's kiss had strengthened our ability to gauge each other's thoughts. So are you. And this is Diana observing. He had been since we crossed over the border into France. The chateau has felt empty to me since the day he died. It has provided refuge, but little comfort. Matthew's eyes lifted to the castle and settled back on the road before us. The air was heavy with responsibility, a son's need to live up to his father's legacy. Maybe it'll be different this time. Sarah and Em are there. Marcus, too. Not to mention Sophie and Nathaniel. And Philippe is still here. If only we can learn to focus on his presence rather than his absence. 
essence. He would be in the shadows of every room, every stone in the walls. And this is Diana studying Matthew's beautiful, austere face, understanding better. Spoiler alert. Yeah, Diana doesn't know how right she is. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Understanding better how experience and pain had shaped it. One hand curved around my belly while the other sought him out to offer the comfort he so desperately needed. His fingers clasped mine, squeezed, and then Matthew released me, and we didn't speak for a time. My fingers soon beat within an impatient tattoo on my thigh in the quiet. However, I was tempted several times to open the car's moonroof and fly to the chateau's front door. Don't you dare! (laughs) (laughs) I guess her ears and her brain are loud. Yeah. Then Diana's like, okay, hurry then. And then Matthew's like, patience, we're almost there. And Matthew's thinking to himself, and there's no chance of me going faster. (laughs) He's just mean. Now he's just being mean. I know. (laughs) What did Sophie say about Nathaniel's driving when she was pregnant? He drives like an old lady. Imagine how Nathaniel might drive if he actually was an old lady. Centuries old, old lady, like me. That's how I will drive. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, Matthew sees himself for who he is. That that self-recognition. It was just such a momentous occasion. Yeah, for for Matthews (laughs) too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Self-actualization is achieved. Yes, exactly. That's how I will drive for the rest of my days, so long as you are in the car. He reached for my hand again, bringing it to his So I guess a midlife crisis is out of the question. Yeah, no. (laughs) Midlife, he's 1,500. Where would that be for him? (laughs) Both hands on the wheel, old lady. And then this is Diana joking. Oh, my God. Could you imagine every identity he undertook, he had midlife crisis? (laughs) Or or he was forced to have one. <laughs> what a nightmare. What a nightmare. I could imagine not this again. Oh, okay, Jesus. I'll play the part. Right. Whatever. <laughs> Parachute pants, really. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm sporting these. <laughs> Disco, really? What were those pants? Cabaricis that those dudes used yeah. to wear? <laughs> and Z- Zubas? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> could you imagine? Oh. No. <laughs> His would be uh, black and silver. (laughs) Black and silver zebra. Oh, God. Those parachute pants swishing every time he walks. (laughs) In the bodily. Hurry. This is Diana begging him silently. My eyes fixed on the roof of Matthew's tower as it came into view. When the car slowed, I looked at him in confusion. They've been expecting us, he explained, angling his head towards the windshield. Sophie, Isabel, and Sarah were waiting motionless in the middle of the road. Demon, vampire, witch, and one more. Isabel had held a baby in her arms. I could see its rich brown thatch of hair and chubby long legs. One of the baby's hands was wrapped firmly around a strand of the vampire's honeyed locks, while her other end stretched imperiously in our direction. There was a tiny, undeniable tingle in the baby's eyes focused on me. Sophie and Nathaniel's child was a witch, just as she had foretold. Unbuckling the seatbelt, I flung the door open and sped up the road before Matthew can bring the car to a complete stop. So much for that. Yeah, tears streamed down my face and Sarah ran to enfold me in her familiar textures of fleece and flannel, surrounding me with a sense of henbane and vanilla. 
home, I thought. I'm so glad you're back safely, she said fiercely. Over Sarah's shoulder, I watched while Sophie gently took the baby from Isabeau's grasp. Matthew's mother's face was as inscrutable and as lovely as ever, but tightness around her mouth suggested strong emotions as she gave up the child. That tightness was one of Matthew's tales, too. They were so much more similar in flesh and blood than the method of Matthew's making would suggest possible. Pulling myself loose from Sarah's embrace, I turned to Isabeau. I was not sure you'd come back. You were gone so long. Then Margaret began to demand that we take her to the road, and it was possible for me to believe that you might return to us safely after all. And then Isabeau searched uh, Diana's face for some piece of information that, you know, Diana had provided yet. And then Diana says, we're back now to stay. There had been enough loss in her long life. I can Kissed her softly on one cheek, then the other. And then Isabeau says, bien. It will please us all to have you here, not just Margaret. The baby heard her name and began chanting, dit, 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 while her arms and legs moved like egg beaters in an attempt to get to me. So I guess she knows yeah, who Diana is. So. And then uh, Isabel said, clever girl. And she gave Margaret to Sophie and then a pat on her head. Do you want to hold your goddaughter? Sophie asked. Her smile was wide, though there were tears in her eyes. She looked so much like Susanna. Please, I said, taking the baby into my arms in exchange for a kiss on Sophie's cheek. Hello, Margaret, I whispered, breathing in her baby smell. And Margaret's still doing her babbling, but she's trying to say Diana. Duh, duh, duh. And then <laughs> Diana says, you are a troublemaker. She's as stubborn as her father, even though she's a Pisces. And this is Sophie. Mm-hmm. Sarah went through the ceremony in your place. Agatha was here. She's gone at the moment, but I suspect she'll be back soon. She and Mart made a special cake wrapped in strands of sugar. It was amazing. And Margaret's dress was beautiful. You sound different, as if you spent a lot of time in a foreign country. And I like your hair. It's different, too. Are you hungry? (laughs) Sophie's words came out of her mouth in a disorganized tumble, just like Tom or Jack. I felt the loss of our friends, even here in the midst of our family. After kissing Margaret on the forehead, I handed her back to her mother. Matthew was still standing behind the Range Rover's open door, one foot in the car and the other resting on the ground in the Auvergne, as though he was unsure if we should be there. Where's Em? Sarah and Isabeau exchanged a look. Everybody's waiting for you in the chateau. Why don't we walk back? Uh, yeah. yeah. Everybody's inside. <laughs> yeah, come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing she so, must want to stretch her legs. Nothing there. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Diana put her arm around Sarah and they took a few steps. Where was Matthew? And this is her mm-hmm. thinking. She turned and held out her free hand. Come to your family, she said silently as their eyes connected. Come be with the people who love you. He smiled and my heart leapt in response. Isabel hissed in surprise. A sibilant noise that carried in the summer air more surely than a whisper. The heartbeats, yours and two more? Her beautiful green eyes started from my abdomen. Tiny drop welled up and threatened to fall. Aww. Oh, she was crying. Sorry to back this up. Why did was Matthew apprehensive or trepidatious? Was it just for the reader's sake? So you got separate greetings or was it because there was, really was a reason Matthew was apprehensive? I feel like a little of both. Yeah. Matthew doesn't like walking into situations he's not sure of. Mm-hmm. So well, I can see the hesitance. And I also think it was a way of illustrating that even after everything that he's gone through, he still feels like the other in the family. Got it. Yeah. I wonder. also wonder how much that's supposed to reflect his comments about it not feeling like home. But since 
Right. Since yeah. Philippe's yeah. Been gone. Good point. That's true. Isabel looked to Matthew in wonder. He nodded and his mother's blood tear fully formed and slid down her cheek. The blood tears. I mean, how inconvenient. Yes. <laughs> if you like yeah, to wear cream true. and <laughs> so true. <laughs> and like colors. <laughs> it's a bit messy. Twins run in my family. I said by way of explanation. Matthew had detected the second heartbeat in Amsterdam just before we climbed into Marcus's spider. Mine too, Isabel whispered. Then it is true what Sophie had seen in her dreams. You were with child, Matthew's child. Children, she said, watching the blood tears slow progress. It's a new beginning then, Sarah said, wiping a tear from her own eye. Isabel gave my aunt a bittersweet smile. Philippe had a favorite saying about beginnings, something ancient. What was it, Matthew? Isabel asked her son. Matthew stepped fully out of the car at last as if some spell had been holding him back and its conditions had finally been met. He walked the few steps by my side and kissed his mother softly on the cheek before reaching out and clasping my hand. Omni fina inti initium novum, Matthew said, gazing upon the land of his father as though he had at last come home. In every ending, there's a new beginning. So that's that. Mm. I know on first read, I'm like, and now what? Uh, what yeah. next? <laughs> and then? <laughs> and then? <laughs> and then? And then? And then? And then? And we said and then a lot. But luckily for us, chapter 42 is a little bit of an epilogue or prologue yeah. or however you want to see this. <laughs> It's timey-wimey, so it doesn't matter what you call it. That's right. It's an amuse-bouche for the book of life. Yeah, there you go. Yes, I like that. Okay, so 30 May, 1593. Annie brought the small statue of Diana to Father Hubbard, just as Master Marlowe had made her promise to do. Her heart tightened to see it in a wear's palm. The tiny figure always reminded her of Diana Royden. Even now, nearly two years after her mistress's sudden departure, Annie missed her. And Hubbard's like, and he said nothing else? Turning the figurine this way and that, the huntress's arrow caught the light and sparked as though it was about to fly. Nothing, father. Before he left for Deptford this morning, he bade me to bring this to you. Master Marlowe said you would know what must be done. Hubbard noticed a slip of paper inserted into the slim quiver, rolled up and tucked alongside the goddess's waiting arrows. Give me one of your pins, Annie. Annie removed a pin from her bodice and handed it to him with a mystified look. Hubbard poked a sharp end of the sharp end at the paper caught it on the point carefully slid it out hubbard read the lines and frowned and he shook his head poor christopher he was ever one of god's lost children oh, well. okay wait a minute he said this morning when he left mm-hmm. either news traveled super was, fast or they knew thanks to the creature powers that he was dead i mean was she yeah. just supposed to bring it to father hubbard today or was she supposed to bring it to father hubbard if he died it's almost like Kit knew I don't he was know. walking to his own death, walking into his own death. Yes, right. Right. Like, right. Either that or suicide by cop. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you right. Know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. It would be interesting, though, because he was always so fixated on Diana knowing his death. And then it turns out if he did know of his death or felt that his yeah. this was the day. He didn't need Diana to tell him. Right. That puts a whole new spin on this, to me at least. Master Marlowe is not coming back, and he smothered a small sigh of relief. <laughs> she had never liked the playwright, and her regard for him had not recovered after the dreadful events in the tilt yard of Greenwich Palace. Since her mistress and master had departed, leaving no clues to their whereabouts, Marlowe had gone from melancholy to despair to something darker. Some days Annie was sure that the blackness would swallow him whole. She wanted to be sure that it didn't catch her, too. No, Annie. God tells me Master Marlowe is gone from this world and on to the next. I pray he finds peace there. 
for it was denied to him in this life. Harvard considered the girl for a moment. She had grown into a striking young woman. Maybe she would cure Will Shakespeare of his love for that other man's wife. But you're not to worry. Mistress Royden bade me to treat you like my own. I take care of my children and you will have a new master. Who, father? She will have to take whatever position Hubbard offered her. Mistress Royden had been clear on how much money she would require to set herself up as an independent seamstress in Islington. Islington. Okay. Islington. Yep. It was going to take time and considerable thrift to gather such a sum. Master Shakespeare, now that you can read and write, you're a woman of value, Annie. You can be of help to him in his work. Hubbard considered the slip of paper in his hand. He was tempted to keep it with the parcel that had arrived from Prague sent to him through the formidable network of mail carriers and merchants established by the Dutch vampires. Hmm. Hubbard still wasn't sure why Edward Kelly had sent him this strange picture of the dragons. Edward was a dark and slippery creature and Hubbard had not approved of his moral code <laughs> that saw nothing wrong with open adultery and theft. Oh. <laughs> Deb got all that in in like one little sentence. Yep. <laughs> I love it. Taking his blood in the ritual of family and sacrifice had been a chore, not the pleasure it usually was. <laughs> in the exchange, Hubbard seen enough of Kelly's soul to know that he didn't want him in London, so he sent him to Mortlake instead. It had stopped Dee's incessant pestering for lessons in magic. But Marlowe had met the statue to go to Annie, and Hubbard wouldn't alter a dying man's wish. He handed the small figurine and slip of paper to Annie. You must give this to your aunt, Mistress Norman. She will keep it safe for you. The paper can be another remembrance of Master Marlowe. That is interesting choice of words, a dying man's wish instead of like a dead yeah. man's wish. Yeah. Huh. It's, like I said, it's, it's, it's almost like Deb's implying that he went into his own death. He, he went in with knowledge of his own death. Yeah. And it's also interesting that he thought for a moment to keep it with the slip of paper. Hmm. What's even funnier about the whole comment about Master Shakespeare and another man's wife. By I looked this up because it made me curious. By 1593, he had been married for a while and he got married at the age of 18 and needed permission because he knocked up a 26-year-old. Ooh. How's that for scandalous? <laughs> Whoa. He was a mess. Yeah, I was going to say, he, he, he really shouldn't have been throwing shade of Marlowe's way because he had his own set of problems. Yeah, no shit. All right. So Annie says, yes, Father Hubbard, though she would have liked to sell the silver object and put it towards the proceeds in her stocking because she's saving to be a seamstress, man. Annie left the church where Andrew Hubbard held court and trudged the streets to Will Shakespeare's house. He was less mercurial than Marlowe, and Mistress Royden had always spoken of him with respect, even though the master's friends were too quick to mock him. (laughs) She settled quickly into the player's household, her spirits lifting with each passing day. When news reached them of Marlowe's gruesome death, it only confirmed how fortunate she was to be free of him. Master Shakespeare was shaken, too, and drank too much one night, which brought him to the attention of the master of the revels. Shakespeare had explained himself satisfactorily, and all was returned to normal now. Annie was cleaning grime from the windowpane to provide a better light for her employer to read by. She dipped her cloth into fresh water, and a small curl of paper drifted down from her pocket, carrying on a breeze from the open casement. What is that, Annie? And this is Shakespeare. Nothing, Master Shakespeare. Annie stammered, bending to retrieve the paper. Bring it here, since it's nothing, he commanded. As soon as it was in his possession, Shakespeare recognized the distinctive penmanship. The hair on the back of his neck prickled. It was a message from a dead man. 
When did Marlowe give this to you? Shakespeare's voice was sharp. He didn't master Shakespeare. As ever, Annie couldn't bring herself to lie. She had a few other witchy traits, but Annie possessed honesty in abundance. It was hidden. Father Hubbard found it and gave it to me. For remembrance, he said. Did you find this after Marlowe died? The prickling sensation at the back of Shakespeare's neck was quieted by a rush of interest. Yes. I will hold on to it for you then. For safekeeping. What a jackass. (laughs) (laughs) And Annie's like, of course. Annie's eyes flickered with concern as she watched the last words of Christopher Marlowe disappear into her new master's closed fist. Be about your business, Annie. Oh, fuck the patriarchy right here. (laughs) Fuck the patriarchy. Shakespeare waited until his maid was gone to fetch a few more rags and water. Then he scanned the lines. Black is a badge of true love loss, the hue of demons, and the shadow of night. Shakespeare sighed. Kit's choice of meter never made much sense to him, and his melancholy humor and morbid fascinations were too dark for these sad times. They made audiences uncomfortable, and there was sufficient death in London, he twirled the quill. True love lost, indeed, Shakespeare snorted. He had quite enough of true love, though the paying customers never seemed to tire of it. He struck out the words and replaced them with a single syllable, one that more accurately captured what he felt. Demons. The success of Kit's Faustus still rankled him. Shakespeare had no talent for writing about creatures beyond the limits of nature. He was far better with ordinary flawed mortals caught in the snares of fate. Sometimes he thought he might have a good ghost story in him. Perhaps a wronged father who haunted his son. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps. Perhaps, you know. Shakespeare shuddered. His own father would make a terrifying specter should the Lord tire of his company after John Shakespeare's final accounts were settled. He struck out that offending word and chose a different one. Shadow of night. It was limp, predicting ending to the verses the kind that George Chapman would fall upon for lack of something more original. God, he's just full of bitterness. He, he For know. somebody who's accusing <laughs> Kit of being awful, he's pretty fucking bitter himself. I know. But isn't that true with enemies? <laughs> yeah. And he's, yeah. he's barbing each one back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but what would better serve the purpose? He obliterated another word and wrote scowl of night above it. Scowl of night. That wasn't quite right either. He crossed the line out and wrote sleeve. That was just as bad. <laughs> Shakespeare wondered idly about the fate of Marlowe and his friends, all of them as insubstantial as, as shadows now. Henry Percy was enjoying a rare period of royal benevolence and was forever at court. Raleigh had married in secret and followed from the Queen's favor. He was now <laughs> rusticated to Dorset, where the Queen hoped he would be forgotten. Harriet was in seclusion somewhere, no doubt bent over a mathematical puzzle or staring into the heavens like a moonstruck Robin Goodfellow. Rumor had it that Chapman was on some mission for Cecil and the Low Countries and penning long poems about witches. And Marlowe was recently murdered in Deptford, though there was talk that it had been an assassination. Perhaps that strange Welshman would know more about it, for he had been at the tavern with Marlowe. Ah, my Davy Gam. <laughs> Royden, who was the only truly powerful man Shakespeare had ever met, and his mysterious wife had both utterly vanished in the summer of 1591 and had not been seen since. The only one of Marlowe's circle that Shakespeare still heard from regularly was the big Scot named Gallowglass, who was more princely than a servant ought to be, <laughs> and told such wonderful tales of fairies and sprites. 
It was thanks to Galloglass's steady employment that Shakespeare had a roof over his head. Galloglass always seemed to have a job that required Shakespeare's talents as a forger. Hmm. Hmm. He paid well, too, especially when he wanted Shakespeare to imitate Royden's hand in the margins of some book or pen or letter (laughs) with his signature. Think back to Discovery of Witches, the very end. There you go. Think about that. And think about the name of the book that it was written in. Mm, So mysterious. What a crew, Shakespeare thought. Traitors, artists, and criminals, a lot of them. His pen hesitated. And he really wanted to sit at that cool kid's table so badly. I, I know. That's why he was And mad. I get mad at him throwing shade on poor George. George was always nice to everyone. And everybody picks on poor George. Well, I mean, the way Shakespeare sees it, you lie with dogs, you get fleas. So <laughs> yeah, George has got the fleas. Oh, poor George. <laughs> According to Shakespeare. After writing another word, this one decisively thick and black. Shakespeare sat back and studied his new verse. Black is the badge of hell, the hue of dungeons, and the school of night. So there you go. That's how he borrowed, quote unquote, borrowed verses from Kit. Mm -hmm. Yep. I have a post from years ago. I think I'll put that in the show notes. That one with the animated gift. Oh, yeah. With uh, Oh, yeah. So so I'll put that there. It was no longer recognizable to Marlowe's work. You know, good artist copy, great artist steal. There you so go. There you go. <laughs> Through alchemy of his talent, Shakespeare had transformed a dead man's ideas into something suitable for ordinary Londoners rather than dangerous men like Royden and had taken them only a few moments. Just like Ooh. that. Got new material. Shakespeare felt not a single pang of regret as he altered the past, therefore changing the future. Marlowe's turn on the world stage had ended, but Shakespeare's was just beginning. Memories were short and history unkind. It's the way of the world. Oh, you said it, man. Please, Shakespeare put the bit of paper into a stack of similar scraps weighted down with a dog's skull in the corner of his desk. Hey, gruesome. (laughs) I guess, you know, they didn't have sticky notes. Apparently not. (laughs) Yeah. I can think of something better to use as a paperweight than a dog's skull, though. That's for sure. He'd find use for the snippet of verse one day. He had second thoughts. Perhaps he had been too hasty to dismiss true love loss. There was potential there, unrealized, waiting for someone to unlock it. Shakespeare reached for a scrap he had cut off a partially filled sheet of paper in a half-hearted attempt at economy after Annie had shown him the last butcher's bill. Love's labor's loss, he wrote in large letters. Yes, Shakespeare mused. He definitely used that one day. And that is the end of Shadow of Night. Da, da, da. Oh, my God. Wow. I know. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's go through our last thoughts. I mean, it could be anything in Shadow of Night. Go, go oh, through them. I've got our oh, last thought of Shadow of Night. Oh man, it's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I first read. I'm like, what is yeah, that? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's how. The, and now I actually, that's one of my favorite chapters. I think it's a brilliant way to end Shadow it's of like Night. Like the end of Ferris Bueller when he comes back on after the credits, kind of. I'm like, yeah. Oh, what the hell is yeah. This? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it made me understand so much more. It made me understand how Matthew's signature wound up in that oh, yeah. book. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, And how we ended up with Midsummer Night's Dream and the Tempest that don't seem to fit into much of anything. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Galloglass. This is a great book and our favorite in the trilogy. <gasps> yeah. Anything else before we gavel this? Yay! Yay! I, 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 
Yes. Well, I've got one last thought, and it's all about the car that Matthew ditched. And the slogan that is on the car is, for the tenacious, no road is impassable. Oh, okay. Oh. And the nickname for the Spiker Spider was Tenex, which is Tenax, excuse me, T-E-N-A-X, which is Latin for tenacious. Mm. For Matthew slagging on the car is something frivolous. Mm, Shame on you, Matthew. You should read Auto Week more often. (laughs) No, he doesn't have time for that you know (laughs) you know all right here we go last gavel of shadow of night going once going twice so it's like the seller's remorse it was oh my god all right so let's go to housekeeping okay all right sounds good whoops i forgot to include a sponsor so this housekeeping is brought to us by NJ. Thank you, NJ. And here's your applause here and all the accolades. And now back to our housekeeping segment. Housekeeping. Okay, who wants to start with theirs? So I have one from our discusser in chief, Stephen. Yay! Yes, he is, he is keeping his eye on all of us. Uh, and he has to say, I'm halfway through listening to episode 66 and broke off to answer your musings over the reported date 1591-92 for the Thomas Harriet telescope. Good, because we were okay, wondering. Yes. Before 1752, England used the Julian or medieval calendar with the new year starting on March 25th, the Feast of the Annunciation. Mm-hmm. When the Gregorian calendar was finally adopted in 1752, in addition to losing 11 days to bring it into line, the New Year Day was moved to be celebrated on January the 1st. This led to the practice of using a choice of two year dates when reporting on medieval records. Oh, and another thing, many towns in England have a silent W in the middle of their name. For example, Norwich is pronounced Norwich, like nor and itch, mm-hmm. like you scratch. Okay. And Alnick, yep. <laughs> Alnick is pronounced Alnick and ick, as an icky. Yeah, I you think said, I pronounced it all Alnick. Yeah. So, so it's Anik. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anik. Yeah. I hope all are okay. well, practicing safe social distancing and washing your hands frequently. Best regards, Stephen. Yes, sir. Thank, Thank you, Stephen. <laughs> He's our moral authority. Wash your hands frequently. <laughs> I love when we wonder aloud and it gets answered. So I it's know. a gift. Um, but I never realized that the Feast of the Annunciation on March 25th, like the whole globe back then revolved around, at least Europe did, the, the Catholic Church. And what's nine months later after the Annunciation? Yes. Christmas. So I, did, I didn't realize like, it was that important that March 25th had to be the beginning of the new year and, and well, it didn't end, but nine months later was Christmas, the, the birth of Christ. Oh, interesting. That mm-hmm. is interesting. Huh. Angela, what do you have? I have a five-star review. Yay! Oh my gosh. Keeping me alive in these dreadful times. Oh Thank my gosh. God. We she need it. So we need it. <laughs> From uh, Norfolk Witch, she says, deliciously demonic. These three deliciously demonic ladies delve into the world of all souls with a body sense of humor worthy of any 16th century London tavern. Oh, wow. Wonderful. I know. Their passion and intelligence is evident in their forensic analysis of the books. But what I love is they don't take themselves too seriously. Hilariously funny and uplifting. Norfolk Witch in the UK. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Yes, so much. Thank you. And we had a lot of emails. First, I want to recognize Barbara. Okay, listen, Barbara, I am not going to forget about you because I am thinking about starting a whole new segment called the Barbara Files. (laughs) (laughs) I forwent your email. I passed over it. 
because you sent several, but I we will catch them and they will have their own segment, okay? Because the Barbara files are important and she hits a lot of things that maybe listeners have questions about and we can answer them. So that's mm-hmm. cool. But I did go for this email and this is from Olivia. Just have patience. This is a long email. I truncated it some, but we're gonna I feel it's worth it to go through this because this helped us a lot to figure out, wait a minute. She vocalized what we were wondering out loud (laughs) as far as how it's helped her through reading these books. So we're just going to start from Olivia. Dear Angela, Jean and Valerie, I'm probably going to be hung, drawn and quartered for some of the comments that follow. But I hope my reading of your sensibilities from the podcast will go some way towards mitigating my crimes. (laughs) FYI, anyone who references the dead parrot sketch and thinks Steve Jobs is a creative genius is on my wavelength. Well, there you go. (laughs) You found your people. Yeah, you did. (laughs) Apologies for the length of this, but we're all under lockdown. So you have permission to use bits, all of it, or just put straight into the trash. Well, we didn't do that, obviously. It is widely reported in the fandom and in the books that demons have no magic. If you keep reading to the end, I will give you a good reason to dispute this claim. And she wrote a review, and I didn't include the whole review, but I did truncate it and choose this section. Uh, The excerpt is here. Okay. So she says in her blog post that she had written prior, my problem is that I found the two main characters so unattractive that I couldn't engage with the love story. Matthew Claremont is so arrogant to the point of unpleasantness, and Diana Bishop is flaky and irritating, and I struggled to buy her buy into her intelligence hello she's speaking to me because this was yeah me. <laughs> yeah on the diana portion of the uh observation yeah. i have to like say that that was my big problem too right well i don't have to like all the characters in a book i do need to find something to like in the main protagonist and they don't get any better as the book progressed. <laughs> I may have something, it may have something to do with the first person narrative. Here, it just renders the story one dimensional. And as I didn't like the character of Diana, very dull to the point where I struggled to keep going. Vampire yoga? What the hell is that all about? (laughs) (laughs) This was me! Oh my god! Okay, so uh, she continues to explain herself. She loved the TV show, by the way, and the TV show pushed her to read the books. And then she got to the books and she's like, what the fuck Uh is this shit? So (laughs) anyway, back to your podcast. I started with your reviews of the TV show. They had me howling with laughter. I carried it on and now working my way through your sun episodes. You bring passion and intelligence to each chapter read. But while you forensically dissect the material, you don't take yourselves too seriously and you have shattered my preconceived notion of a fantasy fan. Fabulous and addictive. So I'm thinking that was her that wrote that (laughs) review. When I get to the section on how Diana was having to get to use Matthew's beard, I literally (laughs) collapse onto the sofa. (laughs) Yeah, Diana was having to get used to Matthew's beard. I literally collapse into the sofa to the amusement of my two cats. So, yeah, get back to that chapter and listen to it if you're wondering what she's talking about. This is when Matthew came back with a beard and Diana had to get used to it. And, of course, we collectively lost her shit. As as one does. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So the magic. As you would have gleaned from my review above, I was not attracted to the books. I enjoyed Shadow of Night more. I love the Elizabethan period 
And there seemed to be a lot of interesting characters, well-written. The Book of Life loved the science and the final, final showdown with Benjamin, but Diana just became too big for her boots <laughs> with everyone running around after her. Her billionaire husband, her house in Mayfair, private plane, etc. It started to feel like Ju- a Judith I Krantz I love that book. line. Oh, <laughs> you have to be of a certain age to, you know, understand that Judith Krantz. Understand Judith but it's Krantz. The perfect, yeah. It's the perfect analogy. Trust me. Exactly. Okay, but she has but, and this is a big but. But listening to your show, you have opened up the books for me. You have given me permission to not like Matthew and Diana when they're being irritating slash entitled while identifying parts of the story slant love story that I missed on what I thought was my first and only read. Seeing these books through your eyes, I'm going to go back and read them again once I finished Hilary Mantle's hefty tome on Thomas Cromwell. Hmm. We'll put that on the book recommend then. She seems to be our person. We can put that yeah, on the book recommend. And, is that Wolfall? The Thomas Cromwell? Hilary Mantle? Yeah. Yeah, Wolfall. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then she says, I will probably end up being a fan. You know what, Olivia? I guarantee you will be become a fan. I guarantee you. Just, you know, yeah. take it for what it is. Make it to Hamish and really read that chapter. This is my recommendation to you. Really read that chapter. Slog through the stickiness. It's worth it. It's worth it. And uh, let me cut through her text and add her final point. And here she goes. Matthew de Claremont is supposed to be a bloodthirsty vampire assassin. However, during the course of the books, and I think this is right, he racks up one kill, Jillian, and two merciful dispatches, Champier, and the witch being tortured in Sun. In the TV series, he doesn't actually kill Jillian. This is true. true. Diana kills Juliet, Champier, Knox, and Benjamin. So who's the killer now, right? Just saying, with love, Olivia G. Thank you, Olivia. That's a great, great email. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's great. Oh, look. No, no, no. Let me see. Let me see. Let me just make sure. That is her. Okay. One of the same. Yep, that is her. Thank you, Olivia, for the review. Thank you for this email. And I'm going to say this because, was it last week we were recording? We were wondering why we were having, I don't know, when you second guess yourself and what is it, imposter uh, syndrome? When you second guess yourself. And yeah, I was having a moment of that. And I was like, why us, though? Why are people gravitating towards what we say? We're just ridiculous sometimes and stupid. But she said exactly what I needed to hear. You give me permission to not like Matthew and Diana when they're being irritated and entitled. Yes. <laughs> and I think that's true for any book, too. Oh, I- you don't have to like any them. fandom. It's any fandom. You don't have yeah. to like everybody and you can be in love with the rage that they inspire in your soul. I mean, there's nothing right. wrong with that. <laughs> right. I feel like if a character brings you passion, regardless if it's, I love to hate read Matthew yeah. sometimes. It's like, Matthew, you dummy. My God. <laughs> oh, there's nothing like a good grudge read. Right. Like, okay. So for me, I love friends, mm-hmm. right? I cannot stand Monica or Ross. I hate those two. I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> but I love them. <laughs> but I hate yes. them. I hate, I mean, these are not people I would hang around. Ross to me, just, what? Oh, yeah. Ross is so whiny. I, 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 he makes me grimace. <laughs> too much. But, you know, hey, that's it. kind of like, well. Since you haven't actually watched most of Mad Men, it's kind of like Peter on Mad Men. Everybody like, yeah, you really? love to watch 
watch him and hate him. Pete Campbell, oh, he's the worst. That's why. That's what keeps <laughs> yeah. you coming back, man. Sometimes you need that. Some, and then sometimes you need the opportunity to examine yourself and be like, okay, why do I hate this person so much? What's going on? They seem everybody's in love yeah. with him, and I oh, can't yeah, yeah. stand him. What? What's going well, on? I love and, him. And and every, you, yeah, and everybody can't stand him. That'd be Baldwin. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So you have to just kind of look at it. Again, thank you, Olivia. Yes. That was good. All right. On to save it for the show. You guys ready? <sighs> yep. Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Save it for the show this time is brought to us by Michelle Parikh. I hope I pronounced that right, Michelle. If not, write me a letter. Tell me how to speak pronounce pipe it, it out. But speak sp- pipe there, it. there you go. That speak pipe. Speak pipe that bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, brought to us by Michelle P. Thank you, Michelle. Save it for the show. Save it for the show. Guys, save it for the show. All right. So save it for the show. The topic is current events. Ugh. Sorry. Our little time capsule here. Yeah. Well, (laughs) what is it? Day 14? Day three for me. (laughs) Day three for lockdown for you. And yeah. Texas. Go figure. Just so you guys know, we have been... uh, you know how the TV shows are doing their stuff from home right now. And it's like we've been doing this from the yeah. beginning. So Angela <laughs> is up in Illinois. Um, Jean is down in Texas and I am in Washington State. So it's a big triangle. So we're, we're all staying the fuck yes. home. We're all podcasting from our various places in our home. And we like we have done from the beginning. Um, we were supposed to go to we'd be in New Orleans mm-hmm. today if had this not broken out. And we're all sad about together that because I really had a craving for royal Definitely. oyster today. <laughs> oh. I know, I know. Yeah, well, it, and to to add to the story for our listeners, uh, we would have all been on our way yesterday, and and interestingly enough, probably when I would have been in the air had we been going, Texas announced that uh, everyone coming, anyone on a plane from New Orleans would be registering with the. Department of Public Safety, which is our state police, and going into mandatory quarantine for 14 days. Dodge that bullet, didn't we? So I dodged a big old bullet there. Right. Oh registering my with the state. That's a scary as fuck idea. <laughs> fuck. So um, those of you who are not familiar with the United States, we are 50 states and uh, like the federal government, the the one, that you know, one. the president, mm. that, that one, the federal government has its own rules, but state governments are allowed to go stricter have autonomy yes Yes. and we believe in states rights in this country this country and um so all of us being in different states we all have different sets of rules we should follow and texas seemed to be lagging a little texas seemed well texas does not even have a statewide rule yet when you Mm -hmm. come down from the state level we also have county county level and city level and in my particular Mm -hmm. instance it was waiting for for our county to actually take some sort of action. And, and for listeners' reference, I'm not in Dallas County, so we lagged even further behind. Oh, oh my dear. gosh. How are you not Wasn't walking there... outside in a garbage bag? I don't trust any of you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Railing at this. Wasn't there a, a smaller municipality who had stricter measures and then the larger municipality relaxed them on them? I thought it was Mississippi California, did that. California, was it? Yeah, maybe it was them. Yeah, I, th- I don't know. I know Mississippi is loosey-goosey yeah, right Mississippi now. Yeah, Mississippi is the worst right now. Thank God we were tied for the worst, but no longer. Uh, oh, I know what it was. It was Alabama with the mm. municipalities okay. and the beaches because Dr. Shelley was raging about that the other day. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, since uh, the Seattle area where I'm at uh, was the first hit, we kind of clamped down pretty early. And the governor was giving us some leeway, I think, up until last week until he drove around on the weekend and saw nobody was following the rules. So he just put us on a statewide lockdown. So. Yeah. yeah. He, he was being nice yeah, at first, like, but then he's like, well, I'm going to yeah, trust no. you to be adults. Oh, wait, you're not being adults. Fuck that noise. <laughs> you're not. You're being stupid. Yeah, so, well, yeah. It, it, yeah. Talk about stupid. This is anecdotal, but from somebody I know in Oklahoma, they were on their social, social distancing walk around the neighborhood with the dog and uh, observed one of their neighbors setting up for a garage sale. But then again, it's oh my gosh. Gosh. there you have it. No. Okay, so by the time you hear this, everything might be totally different yes. over here, but we'll keep you updated. Oh my God. So, Angela, how goes your, uh, your work from home? Your quarantine. <laughs> yeah, and your work from yeah, it's home. Good. It's good. It's fine. As I, t- as I told you last night, we have enough uh, computers, we have enough bandwidth, we have enough food, and we have enough and space. Enough so, it's going fine. And it, and enough snacks, exactly. Oh, so right. we're good. We're really good. And well, and Valerie, you had asked, uh, how are the unseen residents doing? And they're they're still here too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Jean, how are you doing? Oh, we are we are doing all right. It's interesting because it seems like our neighborhood is more lively now that everybody is supposed to be locked up in their houses than it ever had been before. We do have a lot of walkers that go past the house, but I have noticed they are observing appropriate social distancing. So they get kudos for that. Um, yeah. Our liquor stores are still open, which is important uh, for sanity's right. sake, at least. Uh, mm-hmm. We are still searching for toilet paper, unfortunately. I thought you oh, had I some. some. I thought well, you found it. Yeah, but it's going to take Amazon till the end of next month to ship it. <laughs> my my shipment oh, okay. hasn't moved up, so I, I, I keep looking when I do go out on my mm, once-weekly okay. trips. Got it. And right. we're actually eating dinner at a decent hour since I don't have to drive to work. So we like yeah. that. A friend gave me a tip. Uh, Office Depot or Staples, they carry mm-hmm. toilet paper. Home yeah. Depot and Lowe's both carry toilet paper. Our our Lowe's up by the office got cleaned out. Yeah. Really? I haven't tried the Damn. one down here yet. Although Aldi's okay. is getting it in on a regular basis. You just have to make sure, you know, you've got to time your arrival there. You gotta be you gotta be fast. Yeah. You gotta be fast. It's like Target. I, it's like show up on Sunday at six in the morning, they get yes. their ships. <laughs> yeah. I would still continue to to look on Amazon mm-hmm. um because it, supplies show up and maybe if you I don't know, maybe I'm I'm really shocked that your your delivery date yeah, hasn't moved it up. Probably yeah. will. I mean we've got I'm enough. I'm just like planning for the long haul. Yeah, of course. Sure. So. Yeah. I can say I ha- we had to go out uh, yesterday and dip in very quickly to the store. And I'm happy to report that, uh, okay, shelves are empty, but things are starting to be yeah. replenished. Even we did have toilet paper there. I, we didn't get any because we have enough, but it was good to see that at least a few packs mm-hmm. were on. Right. Uh, yeah, the I shelves. was going to say, and the meat cases are starting to fill up again. I, and I will say that this last week I had made some actual, some very delicious pork ribs because that happened to be the only Ooh. thing that they, they had. I'm like, huh, I'm going to grab these. These look good. And we did uh, baby back ribs and they were delicious. And I only did them in the oven. I drive up them and did them in the oven. Mm-hmm. Oh, could you fashion a recipe to put it in the I show notes do that. to it share? It was actually very easy. Oh, so. great. 
That's yeah, cool. I'm just, With oven temperatures yes, and everything. I'm just like sort of grabbing things. If I see it, I grabbed it. They right. had a turkey breast. And I'm like, oh, I'll take this. So tomorrow <laughs> we're making turkey and I'll probably make up a batch of uh, turkey a la king when I'm done. Mm, yeah, so, that sounds good. If I manage, And here's another thing that I haven't been able to find anywhere. Frozen peas. Yeah, really? Oddly. Really? Yeah, really? Huh. Broccoli. Frozen broccoli seems to be the orphan product this week. Nobody yeah. wants frozen broccoli. <laughs> the redheaded yeah. stepchild, Nobody I wants know. frozen broccoli. <laughs> oh, wow. So... That's that's strange. <laughs> Just like the the unsweetened tea and the yes. chocolate hummus. Now, oddly, I, <laughs> since we did we did a did it a little late. We did the corned beef and cabbage for St. Patrick's Day, since th- there seemed to be a lot of that around. And I made some really mm. good sweet and sour cabbage last night, and it was Ooh. super super easy. Mm. I'm noticing we're cooking yeah. more. <laughs> Yes, yeah. we're definitely yeah. cooking more. Maybe we just needed, maybe this is just a reset. I, I'm choosing I know. to look at it that way. Yeah. And maybe a little I, bit of Darwin mm-hmm. thrown in too. That too. That too. Uh, Robert still goes out into I'm the public because he has to. He's me. essential. However, he's ready with his cans of Lysol and his wipes. I have loaded him down with, uh, since hand, we have hand sanitizer mm-hmm. in the house, but he doesn't want to take our supplies from the house. So I have a lot of, Alcohol, uh-huh. <laughs> 99.9% alcohol, like the industrial shit, left over because I do my nails at home, mm-hmm. like I told you earlier, and it helps wipe away the the clear layer, sticky layer of ah, gel when you finish doing your nails. So I happen to have a lot of that, and I happen to have a lot of aloe vera. So if you guys happen to have these things at home, it'll be helpful if you make a 60-40 mix of, it's got to be at least 70% alcohol, and that's sure 60, and your 40 will be aloe vera gel, and you mix those together, and you have a good hand sanitizer. So just mm-hmm. letting you know, these are helpful little tips. And one more helpful little tip, uh, if you're going to mix mix up your own bleach solution, it's 40. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. spoons to the quart of water and that is an appropriate concentration per the cdc perfect. yes perfect i gotta go look at all my stray uh spray bottles <laughs> i know right. i just dug those out last night and i'm like ooh, i need to find out what the what the proportions are right so disregard so. that meme that's circulating around that says a capful just a capful you need four teaspoons of bleach for it to work so uh what were you saying about not wiping down your groceries yes today uh the washington post published an article an interview with a infectious disease microbiologist to discuss where that fallacy came from because mm-hmm. it, the key on all the articles that you've been seeing as far as like oh it's been detected up to three days on cardboard this and that and the other thing the key mm-hmm. is detected the half-life on this virus is three to six hours even on cardboard and it has to be a and it has to be mm. a full strength to basically infect you so the virus is degrading immediately if you want to i don't so, care it's, it. i spray it all yeah, down i was with gonna say you can spray anyway. it all down but it's like <laughs> yeah. i'm seeing things there where people are telling you to leave your groceries in your hot car for six hours to kill it i was like well yeah and then your groceries are gonna spoil too that's dumb or leave, yeah, now, now you have to go to the <laughs> yeah, hospital for and, ebola and leave, leave your, <laughs> or salmonella leave, leave your ups packages out for three you know three days or whatever and hell no someone will fucking steal that shit i'm getting my toilet paper in yeah, my house exactly yeah. But the, right. the point being is where the concern would be is a scenario would basically be like your UPS guy has got an active infection and sneezes on your package right before he t- hands it to you. Yes. Yeah. That's the issue. So, another thing, 
thing uh, I've been thinking about and being paranoid about uh, is uh, there are a lot of carriers that don't show symptoms. Now that scares me. Mm -hmm. Uh, It does scare me. So I'm treating, actually, I am treating myself as a carrier Mm -hmm. because I don't think, I don't think I have it. I don't think I got it from anywhere. Well, it's super scary here in Texas because allergy season is cranking up like a son of a bitch right now. So it's like you don't even want to sneeze in public because everybody turns and looks at you. He's like, allergies, really? I know. Even my husband, when he comes home and we're sitting uh-huh. together on the couch and he sneezes and you then I, yeah, I sign on him <laughs> and he's like, it's allergies. I swear I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel weird about myself oh my when God. I sneeze. Not that I'm worried. But I'm like, One oh my God. the last days I was uh, in the office. I had to sneeze and I like held it in so hard that I think I hurt myself. <laughs> 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 it was bad. Your, your ears Dave, popped. No joke. No joke. <laughs> the thing is, I think two people in my office have had it, Ooh. honestly. Only because uh, one of the guys we work with, he came in one day. This is in January, uh-huh. mind you. He, he came in. His eyes were bulging out. I mean, like, because his eyes were all swollen. He just was sick all of a mm-hmm. sudden. And we looked at him like, "Get!" Out. this is before anyone was talking uh-huh. about this virus. This is in January, middle of January. I looked at him. I was like, go home. You don't look well. Mm-hmm. Go home. Go see a doctor. Mm-hmm. Get the fuck out of here, you know? And I was like, I'm saying this with love. Take care of yourself. And it turned out he had pneumonia. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then the person he worked with, because we all have our military counterpart mm-hmm. that works with us, person he worked with three weeks later came down with pneumonia and she's been out of the office. Now, the thing is, uh, on base, they're not testing. And that's where she went. And she's like, you know, I probably had it. She even said this. She's like, I probably had it because this wow. is a young girl. She's 22 oh, years old. She's like, one? yeah. And she couldn't even walk from one end to the other room without being out of oh. breath. So, wow. That, yeah, it sounds, yeah. sounds just like it. So, yeah. you know, and my boss is like, OK, if you've been sick, stay the fuck home. All of you stay right. the fuck home. It's like we have our operations, but it, it's important to know. So have I been exposed? Probably, but I'm paranoid anyway, <laughs> you know, because when, when I get sick, it takes me down. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I go quick. I mean, every time I've gone to All Souls Con, I've gotten some version of mm-hmm. something because I'm normally mm-hmm. not exposed to that many people that quick. And I, I go down. So I'm really paranoid about that. I don't know. I, it's weird. And I feel like there's a lot more cases. Than, and this is not to scare you, audience. This is you're probably already mm-hmm. scared. This is just so I don't know. So you can realize that this is serious. I mean, I'm pretty sure our audience knows this is serious by mm-hmm. now, right? Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I guess. <laughs> because that was our savior yep. for the show. All the shit we wanted to talk about. And this will serve, hopefully, we get through this in a year. This will serve as a time capsule. That's what it was mm-hmm. like to yep. be around then. All right. Anything else you guys want to add before we go on to last thoughts? No. Stick with us, guys. After this, we go to last thoughts and things we can't let go of. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. You can contact us, send us your thoughts, email us at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com, leave us a voicemail at 360-519-7836, by the way, your carrier rates apply here, or 
leave one for free on SpeakPipe. SpeakPipe.com slant demons discuss. Now, if you can't remember any of that, go to go.demonsdiscuss.com slant contact and all that information will be there. You can also become a discusser there, fill out the form and bam, you're a discusser. And the link to join our Facebook group is there too. Visit our main site, demonsdomain.com. And if you really feel like deep diving, go to visit.demonsdomain.com slant master post. And you can read interviews, geek out with weekly geeks about all souls universe. Read about the characters. Keep that geek flag flying, guys. Do you like what we do? Help us fund what we do. Go to patreon.com slant demons discuss. Make sure you follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Demons Discuss. If you're liking what you're hearing and you want to tell the world about it, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We love them. We read them. It's wonderful. Also, it keeps Angela alive, and we need her around, okay? Keep it alive! The All Souls family had their first loss to COVID-19 over the weekend. Sophia Miles' father died thanks to complications. Uh, She had been able to at least visit him through the glass while he was in Mm -hmm. hospital. And of course, she couldn't escape without some troll jumping on her Twitter and saying something stupid. Yeah. Right. So there's that. Yeah. Don't be that troll ever. No. I mean, you can think all the happy mm-hmm. thoughts. This is no big deal. This is it, it's taking people yes. down and not just the older people. The young people have underlying things, too, that it's could be a chink in their mm-hmm. armor and this virus can find it. So please be safe out there. Please take care of yourselves. Take care of everybody around you by take by staying away. Yes. Away. Right. Yeah. Away. It's easy for us to say because we do have the privilege of staying home, Mm -hmm. all of us, and without, you know, much financial distress. But I do feel for people that are either like my husband, he he does have to go out there because he's part of supply Mm -hmm. line. So if you run a post office, yeah, you got to keep your office going. Those people that lose jobs, it seems all doom and gloom right now. So. So I feel for you. Hang in there. Hopefully we all get through this fine. And that's it. Well, we'll be good. All right, guys. Be safe. Demon kiss. We'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.